0: You can find your seats, and we want to continue to listen to what God has for us this morning. So you take your Bibles and go with me to the book of Psalms, uh, right in the middle of the book. If you, don't, if you don't have a Bible, you can just get a hold of our usher's attention. We want you to have a copy of God's Word in front of you, or you can follow along with us on the Bible app. We love to study God's Word to, together, and uh, we are going to be in Psalm 63 uh, this morning. Psalm 63. And... Um, I was incredibly grateful for uh, Pastor Rich Scheidt being here last week, and uh, that was such a good word um, that we need to, uh, we, we, we want to be a praying church, okay? Uh, we don't want to be a church that just has a prayer team that's doing it for us. Like, we want to be a praying church, and, and if we're going to do that, we need to be seeking his face before we seek his hand. I hope, hope you're getting after that uh, this week. Uh, so often we just kind of rush in and, and start asking for all our requests and and all the things that we have going on and really as as, as he was telling me ahead of time where he was going I was like man we need that word uh, and, and so we're taking just a couple of uh, of weeks here uh, to kind of reset and refocus and just get after the presence of God um, I I kept it hidden for a little while in in just a couple weeks here and. In, in, uh, March, we're actually going to start our the next book of the Bible. We're going to be preaching through. We're going to be preaching through the book of Exodus. It's going to be awesome. I can't wait for this. It's going to be so much fun. But before we do that, uh, I wanted to take just a couple of weeks and and really go to a couple of uh, Old Testament texts, and, and we're kind of have this like little series that we're calling Hunger and Thirst, because uh, I want us to get after this and really understand how much we need and grow in our desire for. Uh, the Lord. Um, when I think about hunger, um, let's let's be honest. Uh, most of us probably don't really appreciate um, what it means to really be hungry. Uh, but some of you have experienced this to some extent. Those of you who have ever been on uh, some sort of of a diet. Um, especially the kind where you you can't eat at certain, you ever done the intermittent fasting thing? That's like the worst, where you get like all sorts of time in the day that you're not allowed to eat. And so when you're that hungry, when you're so hungry that you start getting kind of uh, easily agitated and irritable, we say you're not just hungry, but you're you're hangry has anybody ever seen this in your household this happened to you okay this has not happened to me but it has happened to our kids um, especially the boys I don't know what it is about the boys Uh, man my youngest Javen like this happens all the time where he just gets like super cranky and and fussy and he's screaming and yelling about everything it's like this little monster comes out and yes sometimes he just needs some discipline sometimes we're like legit the kid just needs some food right He gets hungry. And when you're hungry, there's this sense of of desperation. Even more so when you're thirsty. When I was in... Um, Israel and, and Jordan last year. Um, much of that, pl- the places we were going was out in the middle of the deserts, out in the middle of nowhere. So uh, we were with our group together, and and we'd be out in the middle of uh, this place where there was no restaurants or no uh, nothing, no restrooms, no no no. There's no chance to get any kind of water, and so we'd take our water bottles with us. And before we'd get outside in the hot sun, they keep telling us keep. Drinking, keep drinking. Like our bodies are designed to remind us that we need water because we start getting thirsty. But sometimes uh, you can get dehydrated without realizing it. And 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 when you're thirsty, there's there's a heightened urgency and and, and kind of this greater desper- desperation because you cannot survive long without water. That's the kind of desire. That's the kind of need and and longing that I want us to see uh, from. Uh, a couple of Old Testament texts over the next two weeks. But I do want uh, to give you this New Testament promise. Here's, here's what Jesus says in Matthew chapter, um, Matthew chapter 5. This is one of the Beatitudes. I just love this. And I just pray that we would experience this, okay? Jesus says, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. For they shall be satisfied. I want you to hunger and thirst for the right things. Because honestly, it's what's best for you. And as I think about where we're going in this, we, we, we've, been, we've been talking about this main emphasis on, on loving Christ and, and living sent. And, and just like we talked about a couple weeks ago, we've got to get this, that, that love Christ comes first. We cannot lose that. Do not abandon the love that you had at first. Revelation chapter 2. And so I'm hoping that, that in this we can kind of grow in our passion and, and desperation for the Lord. So let me, let me read to you Psalm 63. This is, what, this is what David says. I love this prayer. Here's what he says. Oh God, you are my God. Earnestly I seek you. Thirsts for you. My flesh faints for you as in a dry and weary land where there is no water. And in the shadow of your wings I will sing for joy. My soul clings to you. Your right hand upholds me. But those who seek to destroy my life shall go down into the depths of the earth. They shall be given over to the power of the sword. They shall be a portion for jackals. But the king shall rejoice in God. All who swear by him shall exult, for the mouths of liars will be stopped. God, this is it. Like I I want this to be my prayer. I want this to be our prayer. We um, we want to seek your face and, and declare that you are great, that you are glorious. There's no God like you. You're our creator. You are our sustainer. You're the one who made us, and so you're the one who knows what's best for us. And Lord, I'm praying that, that we would grow in our hunger and thirst for you and, and this kind of a desire, this kind of desperation. And We don't want to lose this. We don't want to lose our first love. There's so many good things happening in our church family. I'm so thankful for it. We give you praise for those things. But the one thing that we want is that we would be a church that loves you. And so I pray that even now as we, um, as we take a look at what you've said in your word, I pray that you would speak to us. I pray that your spirit would be present. Lord, you'd be filling us with your spirit so that we want the things that you want. and We hunger and thirst for you, nothing else. I pray that you make that true of us that this would be a genuine prayer in our heart because we love you and it's in Jesus name we pray amen so let me give you a big idea here okay here's here's what I see in this text and here's what I really hope that you walk away with this is this is kind of personal okay I am I desperately need God and he is joyfully satisfying you know that like, I, I hope that that's true. I, I want you to know that, but not just intellectually. I want you to experience that. I need him. And, and, and be convinced, again, that he really is satisfying. And, and, and so I think uh, maybe there's a couple of questions, two questions that um, we can use to kind of examine uh, our hearts, examine my heart, and, and see whether or not I really get this, okay? So if you're taking notes, here's one question to ask yourself. Note this. Do I see how much I need him? Do I really get it? Do I understand how much I need him? Verse 1 is making it personal. He says, oh God, you are my God, this is a, a personal relationship. And, and David is really inviting you to pray this for yourself and examine, examine your heart and see if this kind of pursuit is, is true of you, if you really long for Jesus in this. And, and verse one is so full of need and desire. He says, I I earnestly I, I seek you. That, that word seek means he's he's trying to get something. He's he's reaching for something that he that he wants or or desires. I think about my little man Javen again, and 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 we're in the state of life now where he can reach up onto the counter. It's really dangerous time in our household and especially when there's things that he wants like cookies or candy and and, and he's reaching for it to try to get it and if he can't reach it he's going to go find a, a stool or a chair i mean bless his little heart he's not giving up right he's like he's determined i'm going to get what i want that's the picture uh, that david is saying right here is is i i want you I'm, I'm reaching for you i'm trying to get to you and and my soul my soul thirsts for you the, the, the Hebrew word for soul there is an interesting word. It could be translated life or, or breath or being. It's kind of this all-encompassing word of, of, our, of our inner man, the inner self. It's what, it, it, what makes me, uh, uh, the part of me that thinks and, and feels and wills and wants, it's, it's what makes me me. It, it's, it, it's, it's deeply personal. It's who I am at the core. Everything in me, everything inside me, David says, thirsts for you thirsty, I long for you, I yearn for you, I want so badly to be in your presence, that's what I want, and the poetry just keeps increasing, he says, my, my flesh faints for you, so it's not just, not just my soul, everything in me, now it's even my body, this desire is impacting and affecting everything, it's all of me, and he says the desire is so strong that it's making me physically weak. Like, I, I, I want you. The idea is I, I, I'm missing somebody that's not here, okay? We, we, we would say, uh, I, I, I miss you so bad it hurts. I think about the time where Chris and I were engaged a long time ago when I had a lot more hair. And, and, and we, our, all of our engagement was long distance. She was in Massachusetts. I was in Indiana. We were engaged for six months. And i got to tell you, that took its toll. Right? And, and, and after a while, like we, we grew to hate airports because we always had to say goodbye. And, and there was just this longing, this desire to the point where it's like, man, it just hurts. I miss you so bad. That's the idea. That's what David is saying here. God, I want to be with you so bad it hurts and I can't make it without you. Like, like when's the last time you found yourself praying like that? I want to be with God. He says this, this longing, this desire, this thirst, it's like being in a dry and weary land where there is no water. So, so remember, um, there's, there's context here. David is writing this in, in, in a real time in his life, in a real place. And, and um, the context of this might actually help us kind of appreciate um, his experience and, and why he's thinking this way. And so if you look at the top of, uh, of Psalm 63, right up there at the heading, uh, there's there's this heading that kind of that says that uh, this is a, a psalm of David you see that a, a psalm of David when he was in the wilderness of Judah so David is writing this from the wilderness meaning this is either happening when he's running away from Saul or maybe even later in his life when he's running away from Absalom So you remember Saul was the first king of Israel I mean he's uh, not a very good guy, did not have a heart for the Lord, and so God said that he was going to come, he's gonna take the kingdom away from him, and uh, he was gonna give it to David, he anointed David king. And so Saul, he's still alive, he's still there. He kind of gets jealous of David and afraid of that David, and so he wants to kill him. And so it's entirely possible that that David is writing this psalm while he's on the run from Saul out in the wilderness. Well, we don't know, but it might also kind of seems likely that it might be later in his life, and he says later that he's, he calls himself the king, of verse 11, so um, it's very possible that he was actually writing this when he was running away from Absalom, and Absalom, if you remember, was his son. This is the part, got incredibly sad, like his, his son grows up and conspires against his dad and, and starts to go out and win the hearts of the people over and, and starts to declare himself king. And so, because of that, now, again, David's on the run and, and he's having to uh, hide in the wilderness. And, and I want to show you um, this is a picture of the place where David had to run to when he was running away from his son Absalom. This is a place called Mahanaim. When we don't know that this is where he, he may not have written this psalm here. Uh, but he for sure wrote it somewhere like this. And, and it's kind of funny. You can actually see uh, kind of water down in the valley. He's looking at a place that, that would have been even worse than this. But it, it would have looked something like this, this arid, dry, barren wasteland. And, and that's what David's looking at when he's writing this. And so he says... This is a, a, a dry and weary land. The, the idea of dry is that it's a drought. It's kind of like this picture. Like he's looking down at the ground. He says it's it's like this, this parched earth, this weary, exhausted. Anybody who's looking at that can see that that ground desperately needs one thing, right? That's it. I need you just like that ground needs water. It's so clear and obvious what that... What that land needs this is what david is saying that's how intense his desire is for god and the question for us as we read this is does this does this kind of language does this describe your relationship with god the kind of desire that you have for him i i realize that um, you may not be um, super emotional or expressive um, kind of person um, but I do think that this kind of intensity is what God wants, regardless of your personality. Now, I know that that might be expressed differently. You might not be quite as um, em- emphatic in the way that you talk, and, and you're reading this thing in like verse 1, and you're like, I don't think I would ever really use those words, and poetry is not my thing. But, but but, God's not after like necessarily the exact words. He's after your heart. Do we have a a heart that wants Him because we know we desperately need Him? That's what He's after. God's not interested in our our ho-hum, bored, uh, just kind of going through the motions faith. And He's not even interested in in, in our, our, our level, reasoned, intellectual, but unemotional faith. I, 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 he, we don't want to lose our, our love for him or this this fire inside of us to be with him. And I do think there needs to be a deeper awareness of how much we need him that stirs a passion in our hearts. And I get physically for some of you, that means you might be on your knees like, bawling and weeping. For others of you, that means you might just kind of be sitting in in quiet reverence before the Lord. But whatever the case is, is your heart, is your soul gripped by a longing to experience the presence of God in a fresh way? Do you want Him like that? And and if not, maybe we need to take verse 1 and spend a little bit of time this week and just ask, God, would you I want that prayer to be my prayer. I want that to be real in my heart. If you don't feel that kind of desperate need for God, then it might be that you're not actually seeing clearly. Because seeing can change everything. Maybe some of you have uh, found yourselves in a traffic jam. I know it's kind of hard to imagine that that would happen around here. It's entirely possible that there's been a time in your life where you were stuck behind cars and you were driving for like 20 minutes and you went 30 feet, right? Like, Oh, this is so frustrating. And you're like, like I would never do that. But, but, but if you were like screaming and hollering and just like ready to honk, you didn't do it, but you were ready to honk, you're beating your head against the steering wheel. And then finally you get up and, and see ahead of what happened that was slowing everybody down and maybe it was, maybe there was an accident of some sort. Seeing kind of changes everything. You're like, oh, okay, I get it. But it also happens kind of in a a positive way, uh, like those people that have gone on vacation to the Grand Canyon. Anybody, you guys been to Grand Canyon? Anybody been to Grand Canyon? Okay, so I've never been to Grand Canyon. I've seen pictures. It's okay. Like, you know, the pictures look okay. But I'll be honest, the, the reason that I actually want to go see it is because of the testimonies of people that have actually been there and seen it with their own eyes and have said, You gotta get there, you gotta see it. Seeing changes everything. It's like the moment, parents, when you first saw your little baby on the ultrasound, right? Like changes everything. So, so what's David see, verse two? Look, look at look at what he sees. He says, I have looked upon you in the sanctuary in the sanctuary is the place where god's his his presence is on display he says i've seen you and i'm beholding your power and your glory see david saw god and that changed everything so maybe if you're not feeling if you don't have that like burning desire you look at verse 1 you're like i don't feel like that's my prayer you might not see how much you need Him because you're not looking at Him. Like, like how could we look at our, our Creator, our our Savior, the, the greatest joy in the universe, and not want Him? There's nothing more powerful, there's nothing more glorious than Him. And so, have you looked upon Him? Have you seen Him? And some of you are like, I think so. I, I, I don't know, like... We've not, we've not actually seen God, and so, so how do you do that? How do you, how do you see God? How do we look upon Him? I think that's important for us to get, right? Can, can we look at a few scriptures that'll help kind of clarify how do we do that? How, how in the world do we see God? Well, the answer is that, that, that God has revealed Himself to us in this, right? He's revealed Himself to us in the Word of God. And nowhere more clearly Than in the person and the work of Jesus. In fact, here's what he says. John chapter 1, as he's talking about Christ, here's what he says. The Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen His glory, glory as of the only Son, from the Father, full of grace and truth. So we see the glory of God in the person of Jesus. But how many of you have ever seen Jesus? Yeah, have you seen Jesus? Like, he's real. He's a person. Okay. Have you seen him? So, so none of us have seen him yet. And Jesus actually addresses that at the end of John. Here's what he says when he meets with his disciples. And, and he's got this moment where he literally shows them the marks uh, from the nails in his hands. And he goes up to, to Thomas. And he says to Thomas, have you believed because you have seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. That's us. So so it's not just an intellectual exercise of, of getting facts down about Jesus. It's seeing Him requires eyes of faith. Hebrews 11, chapter 1 says of faith. Faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. So here's what happens. We get into God's Word. And I know we don't physically see Jesus, but the gospel is revealing to us the love of God that is gloriously displayed in the person of Jesus and what he's done to rescue sinners and to restore all of God's creation. And even though we don't physically see him yet, we believe what is written. We believe about him. But but then it gets even better. This is so awesome. Because here's what Paul says, 1 Corinthians chapter 13. I love this. He says, for now we see dimly in a mirror. But then... Face to face. I know you don't see him now, but what he's promised us is that there is one day, there is coming a day when we are finally going to see him and we are going to look at his face. And looking at Jesus changes everything. But for now, you can't look at him if you're not reading your Bible. Right? So if we're going to grow, if we're going to hunger and thirst for the right things, then we've got to have a passion and resolve to read God's word every day. And, and not just because we're trying to check it off our list, and, and like that's something I should do, but, but, but I'm looking for him to show me who he is. How how do we see Him? How how do we get a a bigger view of God? How do we grow to love Him? How do we get a fresh excitement about Him? It's when we open this up together on Sundays and when you get into it for yourself on Mondays. Let's get into God's Word. Go read. Go look upon Him in His Word. Here's what you're going to find. Here's what David found, verse 3. Verse 3, he says, Because your steadfast love your steadfast love is better than life. So he saw his power. He saw his glory. Now he sees his, his, his steadfast love. That's a really important word in the Old Testament. Uh, in the Hebrew, it's the word hesed. hesed. That, that, that's God's love. But it's not just God's love. It's his loyal love. It's his faithful love. It means God's love for you will never end. That's the kind of love it is. And David is finally seeing clearly. When he sees the love of God, he's like, it's a no-brainer. That's way more preferable than even life. And he's not saying that in a negative way. Like, he hates his life. He actually said, like, 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 even if I could live a life of health and happiness, which is what everybody dreams of, which is what everybody's chasing after, if I could have that, I would give all of that up just to know and experience and feel the love of God. God's love is so good. And, And if we got that, I just wonder what would change in our lives. Right, because there's so many things that we're pursuing. There's things that, like, and, and they're not necessarily bad things. We're we're, we're pursuing happiness and in, in uh, relationships and comfort in our lifestyle and 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 prestige and accomplishments and impact with our work. But none of those things are going to last. None of those things are going to last. But this will. This listen, you are loved. in Christ, it doesn't matter what you've done or ever will do. Nothing is going to change that. His love is always going to be there with you. It never ends. So can you see how much you need him? once, Once you see, you end up worshiping. That's that's what David does. Once once I see your steadfast love is better than life, my my lips will praise you. I will will lift up my hands. See, when I I step back and see God, I want him, I need him, I praise him. There's a passion that I can't contain. I, I, I have to express this, which is why we sing. Do you know that? Like, I know you come here, we just do it every week, and so maybe you've forgotten why we... The reason we sing together is because we've seen God, and we know that He is worthy of it. And the reason we lift our hands is because we know, I need you. I'm expressing my praise to you, and I want you to get all of the glory. You deserve it. So, so as a church... I'm just praying that God is going to do a work here set a fire down in our soul that just bursts forth in worship when we see how much we really need Him. We need Him. But here's the second question I think we need to uh, examine our own hearts. Note this Do I rejoice when I think about Him? Is there joy when you think about God? I love verse five. It's such a cool verse. Here's what he says: Um, My soul. He's talking about his soul again. Okay, my soul will be satisfied. In in verse one, he said my my soul was seeking and longing for God. Now he says my my soul is satisfied. Means I I, I'm I'm full. I've had plenty. I've had enough. I'm, I'm I'm filled up. All right. I'm filled up. He says, as with fat and rich food. Now. That just sounds kind of wrong to us. Like most of us like buy things that are fat free, right? So it's almost like God needs to kind of update his, his marketing uh, campaign here. Like that, we don't see a whole lot of ads that are like, come get your fat foods and, and, and um, you know, like we've got all the stuff that's going to clog your arteries. And, and, and like I know that doesn't really sound enticing for most of us that are at least trying to make it sound like we're interested in eating, eating healthy. And um, in public when, you, when, when we read that out, it's like, you know, I will, I will be satisfied as with fat food. And in front of everybody else, we're going to be like, ah, that's so gross. Um, but honestly, okay, honest, I think most of you are probably a lot like me. And um, I secretly wish that I could eat ice cream every single night. Man, that would be awesome. Just give me the fat stuff, right? So maybe, maybe this uh, metaphor actually does still work in our culture. Obviously, what he's trying to say is this is it's the best food. This is the stuff that's that's rich and full of flavor. It's it's the stuff I want you to think about the stuff that just makes you salivate, like like hearing the sizzle of a steak on a grill, or 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 slabs of of thick, juicy bacon, or or um, seeing the hot and ready sign up up in the window of those just melt in your mouth, warm, crispy cream donuts, or or, or um, have you ever been to uh, great American restaurants and you get the Aussie rolls? Like just keep those bad boys coming, right? And, and I don't know what it is for you. It might be guac. It might be sushi. I don't like whatever your jam is. Like that's what I want you to picture. I know you're like, you're killing me, man. Okay, so, so here's what he's saying. I get the best food. And I've eaten my fill. I'm so satisfied. That's what it feels like to be in God's presence. When I get to be with God, I'm so full and overflowing. So so much so that that my mouth will praise you with joyful lips because when when a soul satisfied, it it overflows with gushing lips of praise. Is that what happens when you think about God? Honestly, I need to ask myself, do do I rejoice when I think about God? Maybe I need to ask myself, do I think about God? Or when, how often do I think about God? David says, verse six: When, when I remember you upon my bed, when I meditate on you in the watches of the night. Just don't forget, okay? Um, things are horrible for David right now. It's like, this is not a good time. He's, he's on the run. He's, he's, he's hiding. Uh, he, he's not home. So it's got to be hard to sleep and kind of tossing and turning and, and laying awake at night and just really easy to give in to your fears at night, right? But what's he thinking about? Come on, tell me, when, when, when life has you laying awake at night, are you thinking about God? Because David, in the midst of this, he says, I think about you. I think about verse 7. You've been my help. He's remembering the fact that God has not left him alone. And he's been there for him to help him out. It's in the shadow of your wings. It's, it's, he's experienced the protection of God. I'm in a safe place. I know things are not good right now, but in him, I'm, I'm safe. And so I sing for joy. My soul clings to you because your right hand upholds me he's thinking about and remembering all that god has done to help and uphold him and when we remember what god has done for us we can't help but rejoice even when things are hard because he says verse 9 verse 9 and 10 he talks about what's happening and he's like those those people that are seeking to destroy my life don't forget he's running they want to kill him but what's going to happen to them they're going down like they're going to meet the sword. They're, they're going to be a portion for jackals, he said. The, the jackals there are scavengers. They're the ones that, that are roaming through the rubble of, of ruins and remains. It, it's a picture and a reminder that God destroys the wicked. We don't have to fear our enemies. In the end, he wins. So verse 11, he says, The king shall rejoice in God. So notice, I just want you to notice, David's focus is not on the severity and intensity of his circumstances. Even, even though he's in a rough season of life. I mean, how many of us have ever been literally running for our lives from people that we love that want to kill us? I mean, maybe, maybe it was Saul. Maybe it was his, this man that he looked up to, his best friend's dad, somebody that he would uh, love to have, have, have gotten some esteem from. He wants to kill him. Or maybe even worse, it's his own son. Chasing after him, conspiring against him. In the midst of all of that, David is still rejoicing. How? How in the world is he still? It's because his focus is not on his circumstances, but on God, right? His desire for God is more intense than the temptations to fear and despair because he knows how much he needs the Lord. And when he thinks about him, he can't help but rejoice. I feel like we need this, church. Like this, this, gotta get this. Because if, if, if the joy or passion, if you feel like that's kind of just fizzled out in your heart over time, maybe we are not like in a really bad place. You'd say things are kind of good, but they're just okay. You know, like I'm trying, but it just feels like we're just kind of doing the same thing every week. Or maybe it's just been really hard. And so because of that, the, the circumstances, the trials that you've been going, just like snuffed out all that joy and, and passion. And it's not there like it once was. If you want God to set a fire down in your soul, stop and think about it. Remember and meditate on who he is and what he's done and let the gospel stir your heart to love Christ and you can rejoice. Because no matter how how dry or demanding or how difficult your days have gotten, you have this confidence, He is never going to leave you. He's never going to stop loving you. And you can rest in the victory of Jesus and the promise that I know things are not great, but He's going to set all things right. And one day, you are going to experience this. You are going to be filled up with a joy that is indescribable when you see Him face to face. He says, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Do you want that? Do you want him like that? Do you want to experience him like that again? Here's what I want to do. I want us to take a, uh, I think it's important for us to be a praying church. And so right where you're at, I want to encourage you to just do some business with the Lord. Okay, some of you are in a great place and you're pursuing Christ with all of your heart. Let ask him to fill you with your spirit, with his spirit, so that he'll continue to make himself known to you. But if you feel like maybe the, the passion or my love or my desire for God has just gotten a little dry, gotten a little cold, ask him to relight that fire in your heart. Show you again how much you need him. Rediscover that he really is joyfully satisfying.